All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly with myself, Machu. We have Ray with me, and uh, we're kicking ass and taking names. You know what I mean? Taking paintings to be to be quite possibly frank with everybody out there. We're taking paintings, but only the ones that people don't want in their houses. So it's not really quite a bad deal. It's a good thing we're doing the community a service. Um, but once we get these paintings, I don't think we're going to bring them into our houses either. These are no houses, no household paintings. You know what I mean? These paintings should never be in a household. At least that's what a lot of the horror community and the paranormal community feel uh, about these paintings that we're going to go through today. You know why? Because ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, boils and ghouls, we're going to be talking about the five most haunted paintings that people refuse to keep in their house. That's right. People as a whole. It's a lot of people. A lot of, a lot of opinions, and they don't want these paintings up in their house. Now, I mean, now, Ray, what's your take on a haunting painting? It would be just as haunted as any other artifact. You know, when we talk about you don't want to go to the flea market and just grab something because you don't know what's attached to it. You know what I mean? Same thing with a painting. Um, do you have any, you know, what's your take on a painting maybe holding a little more oomph to it in the paranormal field because maybe people so, put so much love into it. Um, there's so much hard work that goes into it. Uh, it's, a, it's in a lot of situations, it's symbolic to youth for people that have gone older. It's symbolic for family. You know, if somebody passed, it's just kind of a symbol in time of that era you know what i mean and especially in the era of no photograph where people you know were getting their paintings done um you know then they were they were sought after and they were even after the person was gone they were on display and a big deal um then you also have weird elements where people might mix human blood or maybe some other bodily fluid into the paints that you know, uh, to make these, you know, maybe the canvas, maybe there's some, the canvas was made from, you know, uh, the cow, cow hide, you know, the cow skin or human skin, who knows, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe, uh, uh, something, something that was cloaked over a coffin once, you know, something, a body might've been wrapped up in at one point, you know, there's a lot of weird elements that kind of go into the painting, Outside of, I think, the feeling around it, you know, like with the love and the, the admiration of the painting and how great it is. But it, there, there's also that weird element of the materials used that could be, you know, something could be up with them as well. You know what I mean? Oh, I agree. I think that the paintings on multiple levels have the potential to have an attachment or be haunted. Yeah. I mean, not, not only the same as any other object, because there's many objects that a craftsman put their love into. Uh, but I think the painting also is, it's an image and that evokes an emotion. And that person on one level, the person putting their emotion into the painting while they're doing it and the painting retaining some of that emotion. And then the emotion of the person viewing the painting, they're connecting with it. And depending upon how they connect, they may get an attachment to it. Any spirit, whether it is the materials that are put into it, uh, which we don't know for sure, 
at various times in history what they put into them. Like you were saying, uh, they were could have been and most likely people who used blood. The painting was more of a ritualistic thing. They may have used it in a ritual. Yeah, and you could have all these attachments. They could have been angry when they did it and cursed the painting. I mean, there's a lot of potential in that that painting for it to hold on to an energy or a spirit. And I think, if not as much as maybe even more than a lot of other objects. Yeah, you know, gifts for people. You know, if you if you paint something for a wife. That either goes south or someone's lost. You know, there's gonna be bad feelings. You do it for a friend. You know, lost or goes south. There's bad feelings now. Um, yeah, people that you know. We talk about curses. We've talked about on the show. You know, where you have to give somebody a little something. You know, like there, there, I mean, we had an episode on witches in the first season where. Um, the witch gave a gift to somebody, and once they accepted it, the witch was able to kind of get in their dreams. And in the same sense of this is maybe you do this this painting that looks nice, and you go, "Well, it looks so nice. How are they how are they not going to accept it? You know what I mean? But you have a curse within it, so then you dish it off like a curse and say, "Okay, it looks beautiful, but it brings nothing but sadness and all that all madness to whoever possesses it." Type deal, which would be. That'd be the way to do it, realistically. You know, and if you were trying, if you were having a wicked, evil intentions, then that you would definitely want to make it something beautiful. You know, it wouldn't just be a bleeding skull. You know what I mean? Because only a certain amount of people are going to put that up in their house. You're going to have dogs playing poker. You know what I mean? With the, with pentagram painted into the table or something. Um, and this is a very interesting episode because. The whole fan, the whole vibe around it. There's so many different directions you can go into it. Where you're taking the, is this being thrown out as a curse or to be a negative thing in this world, or is it to be something that started out as positive and then maybe went south? You know, you could have, you it could get all the way. You could have some maybe back in the days of slavery. You know, there could have been a painting and in, in, put in the into the plantation of all the all the the people in the field. You know what I mean and you know, the guy out there posing like he was, he was showing off his trophies, you know what I mean? Now, that painting's going to have some bad vibes to it, you know what I mean? Like, it was made with almost a good intention of, he thought he was doing this, this guy wanted a painting of him in front of his, his property, I hate to say, but property, and they did the painting. And from their point of views, I don't think there was anything negative going on, but the whole situation is so negative that, that painting carries a curse now. You know what I mean? It's putting love into in the hatred. It's putting love into hatred. You know what I mean? It's a dark element. Um, and I don't know if the, the love can overshower the hatred of that element because there's a lot of sadness that goes into that painting. But the aspect of painting with blood is horrifying. What were you going to say, Ryan? Well, you also have, at various times in history, Leonardo da Vinci was one who was famous for it. If you study many of his paintings, yeah. he has he has sacred geometry and different symbols in them, mm. and little hidden things and visual representations. I mean, you ha- you take a sigil which is has power, but it's a visual thing. You you draw it out. So the paintings themselves um, 
I believe, I definitely believe, depending upon who crafted it and how they did it, what their intention was, can hold that power of what that intention was. And once you come in contact with it, you're susceptible to it. Yeah. It's, uh, it reminds me, do you remember, um, uh, you know, Bjork, the musician? Are you familiar with them? Names familiar, yeah. In the mid-90s, she had a uh, stalker, Ricardo Lopez. And uh, this gentleman put together like 24 hours of footage of himself um, putting together a package that he made for her because he he lost his, he loved her, then lost her mind because she didn't love him back. One of those crazy stalker things. So he built this bomb with sulfuric acid in it. And what it was supposed to do is uh, when she opened it, it was supposed to leak out onto her and melt like melt her. And um, so he put together these tapes and, you know, it all led up to hours and hours and hours and hours and hours it all led up to this deal where what he did is he, um, I believe he sent out this package and he, you know, tracing the whole hit, this whole thing, his videotapes of him being like, this is what I'm building. Okay. Watch me, watch me go put this in the mailbox, you know, stuff like that. Um, mailing it out. So then he mailed it out to her and he went, then he goes home and he does the last video entry, which is him talking about, you know, why he did it and all that. And at the end of it, he shoots himself. Now it's, uh, now, there's two. Now, I bring it up because in, in the in behind him, he had a, uh, a, a a canvas, and on the canvas, it said "The Best of Me," and his plan was that when he shot himself in the head, I think his plan was that his brains went all over that canvas with that said "The Best of Me" on it, which is super fucking dark but i gotta give him some artistic credibility to that to that because uh i i'm kind of feeling it a little bit you know what i mean i'm giving him a little credit you know for anybody listening uh, they, they found the tapes and, the, and by the time that the thing got to bjork it didn't hurt her um it was no issue uh but i always remember the visual of that the best of me and his plan and he painted his face up like bjork so he just looked like a bloated ultimate warrior type deal and the thing that you'll appreciate or kind of find interesting in this is that even though he thought he was going to blow his head off all over this front, this painting, he used a 22 caliber gun, which you would know as a, a, a person who knows that stuff, that a 22 caliber gun doesn't have the oomph to really do to do much. So what happens is when he and he's on camera, so he shoots himself, and you literally see like the top of like the top of his head uh, not come off, but the skin moves bumps up because it blow it, it pushes his skull and it bounces around in his fucking head. How horrifying is that? But it doesn't have enough force to exit the head. All right, which is horrifying. So. It just boosh, and you see like a little bump, a little bump on his head, like a fucking, like when a BB like <laughs> hits up with the copper and like little, the little pellet, the little imprint. It was just like that. And he hit the deck and you want to talk about some of the most horrifying audio ever put anywhere. The amount of blood that came out of this dude, it must've came out of his mouth because th- there was no wound from the, from the, from the bullet. The amount of blood that came out of this dude. 
like haunts me. The thought of it haunts me to this day. But I always thought that was interesting with the paint thing like that. I don't know where that the best of me canvas ended up probably burnt or in crime, you know, in some crime locker somewhere. But like that's got to be that's got to be a painting that would have some issue to it. You know what I mean? Like there's got to be something with that. And that I don't even know if you can see that footage anymore because the Internet's gotten very strict on pulling down any uh like super dark stuff like that and granted you know little kids shouldn't be looking at it because it's horrifying but uh you know yeah it, it was out there at one point it probably you could probably find it if you really wanted to be that type of person i guess you wanted to be me i guess because I, I you know but that painting has got to be stuff like that is a, a big reason where i think haunting paintings come from stuff like that um, it's the things the paintings see as well, other than just what they're, you know, a painting like that in that circumstance, you got the vibe of, you got the insanity of the dude. So that dude's insanity, anger, depression, everything going on in his soul is coming out through that artistic expression. And it is an artistic expression. And what he was going for, he didn't quite get. Like, like I said, it didn't splatter. But like that was the intention. So like you, you knew that would be that would be something else. Um, but yeah, you, you got to equate the horrifying, the horrifyingness of that. Would, like that painting would have been horrifyingly haunted. And with that being said, in a world full of haunted objects, there seems to be something extra creepy about haunted paintings. You know what I mean? Perhaps it has something to do with the intimacy of the painted canvas or the timeless of the me- timelessness of the medium. The eyes of the sub- subject seem to look deep into your soul, and sometimes these eyes even follow you no matter where you go. Uh, I always think of the old those old fake pictures in the movies and TV where the eyes move around, which could be is very creepy if the, if they do it right. Uh, I will say that that's a visual that looks super corny or can be very effective. Now, the following paintings we're going to talk about here today are five of those most common. Uh, or most rather kind of talked about haunted paintings that people don't want to mess with. They don't want to put it in their house. They don't want it around them type deal. Um, within it, obviously, because who would want to deal with such things? Now, the first painting up on the slab will be The Hands Resist Him, a.k.a. the eBay Haunted Painting, okay? Made famous by the painting selling on eBay. Um This is often referred to as the most haunted painting in the world. And seemingly for good reason, it's incredibly creepy to look at, and it has a pretty comprehensively disturbing backstory. Now, the hands resist him. Definitely go out there and take a peek for anybody out there uh, so you get get a visual for this audio. But the hands resist him is artist Bill Stoneham's homage to a photo taken of him when he was a child, with the title taken from the poem written by his wife, the painted painting completed in 1974 is creepy enough on its own interviewed about it. Stoneham explains the hands were all of the possibilities. You were left with the questions. Are these disembodied hands? Are they dismembered floating there in space or are they connected to bodies? I think he's influenced by Salem's lot miniseries directed by Toby Hooper, because that's the vibe I get a little bit of it. Um, and what the painting is real quickly for anybody wondering, it's, it's a picture of, 
it's him as a boy in front of like a a, a, a door with multiple panes of glass in it, like the, like that that checkered look. Um, next to him is a weird doll that's not a real person, but it's dressed up like a little girl. And behind him, in the darkness of the doors, you see a bunch of hands. You know what I mean? Which, you know, I, like I said, I think it pulls influence from other places. It's very creepy. I think it's just a creepy artiste, but we're about to rock and roll. Uh, with only a few years of its completion, three men closely associated with the painting, including the gallery owner uh, who first contracted it in the Patreon uh, Godfather actor John Marley. He first purchased it. He was dead. They were all dead, all three of these guys, over a few years. Uh, the next couple to own the painting, a California couple who, who struck no one as the type to make up paranormal stories, they begin to report uh, incredible things, namely that the figures in the painting were moving around at night and sometimes disappeared from the canvas altogether. You know, that reminds me of in a movie called Tales from the Hood, which is an awesome Rusty Candif, Rusty Candif film. Um, there's a, a part where, to go back to the plantation thing, um, where there's like a, a dude living in a house that used to be a plantation, and he's a racist character. And within it is there's a big painting of, I think it was... Um, like a house mother or something like that. I don't know what the appropriate term is. And she built, she made a bunch of dolls for like, that was her hobby or whatever, what she did for money or some sort of thing. And the souls of the people, the, the, the slaves that died went into the dolls type thing. And there's a picture in, in there in the big uh, upstairs office and it's of that painting. And at a certain point in the movie, uh, it goes back to it and all the dolls are missing from the painting to make you to believe that they are now within your realm, which is horrifying. Um, the couple reported dreams in which uh, the boy in the painting actually entered the room in which the painting hung. Now, I support that on the creepy factor for sure. Uh, that's definitely some creepy stuff. Additionally, everyone who viewed the painting reported feeling unwell Infants cried upon being in its presence. Friends reported feeling like they were being lightly tickled by unseen hands. Very interesting. Very interesting. The couple got rid of the painting, and for the next 26 years, the hands resist him actually sat at the back of a California brewery turned art space. And in 2000, the painting resurfaced in an eBay listing. Evidently, another family, perhaps the owners of the brewery, wanted to get rid of it and posted an eerily similar message regarding the painting. Um, we got, and that message was a little bit like this. At the time, we wondered a little why a seemingly perfect fine painting would be discarded like that. Today, we don't. One morning, our four-and-a-half-year-old daughter claimed that the children in the picture were fighting and coming into the room during the night. Now... I don't have any children, but if I heard that story, I'd have an issue with that. Ray, what would you think about hearing that story from a child? I would kind of trust it. Um, for, I mean, particularly if you've had a child who never said that before and wasn't prone to telling stories, then yes, I would trust it because 
a child is much more open. They can yeah. all they can see things, they can perceive things, and spirits recognize that. Yeah, and they they communicate with them, and they might be seeing what's behind that painting or in it, moving around, and that's the energy of the spirit of the artist and what he put into it. They can pick up on it where adults may or may not. What's crazy is that the girl's a doll, and the boy, the boy only looks handsome to his mother. We'll say that because he's a creepy looking boy. You know what I mean? Um, them arguing. Is horrifying. The idea of the arms not being there or the hands not being there is interesting. It's a blacked out background. The hand, it, it, you could almost get a vibe of uh, the way you know how, like, if you look at a painting a certain at a certain angle, it kind of hides because of the lift of the oil and stuff that can hide things. It might have a little vibe of that. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there's 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 some troublesome stuff. Them arguing, I think, is creepy but the most creepiest element of all is them leaving during the night and coming into the room which happened in both situations that was brought up um very creepy stuff you know what i mean and at that at that point it's like it's a spirit almost or like something you conjure up where it's like okay you've created this thing and it's kind of locked in its cell which is this painting but at certain times it's a like nighttime or whatever it's able to leave the painting and come into the real world. And it almost has that portal vibe to it. You know what I mean? So like, what's your take on the portal aspect of like a painting being a portal or maybe it's just the area on the wall. What do you think? Well, well, before you even said it, I was thinking portal. Hmm. I was thinking they put together a combination of possibly a combination of elements in the paint and symbols or the way they drew it yeah and their emotions in there that they created a portal now as to whether it opens or not be curious to see whether those um sightings of the children coming out of the painting were either at a full moon or actually a new moon which is very powerful yeah uh the house and where it's situated i mean was it a house that was sitting on top of for instance granite a limestone which is a conductor there's a uh, an immense combination of things that can come together where the painting is the thing that uh is a center point that opens that portal yeah. when those other when those other things are present and makes it possible for spirits to come through yeah I'm with. I think that portal is a big deal now. the 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 painting itself could be a portal, but also maybe just the 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 wall that the painting's put on could be a could be something too. You know what I mean? You know, I I, I, I agree. I, I think it could be individually or a combination of, of the both. Just the way they interact, kind of open that open that portal up at that moment. A lot of important paintings usually find themselves in front of fireplaces, which are mantles, which are good for, you know, if you were gonna, if you were gonna do any worshiping or anything, you want to, you usually see people's most prized possessions on that mantle, so to speak. So it could be almost an altar-like thing, you know, if you're in the right house, you know, if you had somebody in your house, you somebody lived there in the past that maybe liked to throw animals in that fire. While it burnt, and they did, they let it, you know, fill the room with, 
with uh, burnt animal smoke and had their their evil friends over and did rituals and stuff. And maybe uh, maybe there was blood on that wall. Maybe they tried to open up a portal on that wall where they put up blood down there and hope something would come through. And then it just got painted over and now it's got wallpaper and nobody has a clue what's going on. But there's something in there, you know what I mean? You're also going to add in the fact that uh, I agree with all of that. Yeah. Also, if you take the fireplace, it's a gathering place. Like you said, on that mantle, usually a lot of personal things that people have uh, vested emotions into. Hmm. You know, emotional objects, sentimental objects. And you even have mantles that have uh, the ashes of the remains of other people. Yeah, pictures of people that they love. You also pictures, There's a lot of energy there above the fireplace plus fire itself consumes but it gives off energy uh, in the form of heat which is a form of energy so not knowing like you said what's behind the wall what the previous owner did and then putting your personal objects up there that have an emotional attachment uh, a painting by someone and you don't know what they did to it whether it is uh, symbolism or what their mood or emotional state was in when they made. I mean, you got so many things that can come together so easily yeah. in that uh, over the fireplace painting that is kind of like, yeah, that could open up a lot for a house. You, your Christmas time when Santa Claus comes, he's come comes that way. You put your you hang your stockings on the mantle. You know what I mean? There's a lot of a uh, little bit of praise there, a little bit hanging stockings and all that stuff. Also, symbolically, I mean, you're yeah. welcoming Santa down. Who else did you actually welcome, welcome in and not uh, realize it? Could be uh, Satan Claus instead of Santa Claus. You got to be careful with that stuff. No, a Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. Mundo. Uh, since then, the legend has even grown bigger with the uh, with the eBay deal. Uh, to the point where the people that even viewed it on eBay online claimed that they felt sick seeing it disorientated and disturbed after gazing their eyes upon such things. We also have uh, the anguished man paranormal activity caught on video. They say Uh, Sean Robinson's grandmother stored this creepy painting in her attic for 25 years, claiming it was haunted by the artist who created it who reportedly used his own blood, blood as pigment and then committed suicide. That'll do it, Namin. Sean's grandmother further claimed to hear voices and crying sounds emanating from the attic. I wonder if that's where he did it. Uh, and the woman swore she once saw a shadowy figure of a man in her house that she felt to be the spirit of the artist himself. She calls him the artist. She doesn't even call him the grandson. That's weird. Uh, it was for the reasons, uh, for these reasons, that she had kept the anguished man locked in the attic for all those years. It's um, it's quite an interest. Oh, actually, Sean's grand. No, his grand. Not Sean isn't the one who killed himself. It was an artist living in her house. That's what it was. She was renting a room to him. Um, for the hair, the voices uh, and crying sounds from the attic, I can only imagine that the dude, that's where he did himself in, you know, uh, a lot of addicts turn into 
art spaces, you know, because you're alone for you. The heat's really good up there because it gets hot, so it's good for letting the oil dry and stuff like that, for real. And um, so kind of, I think that that's the vibe that it was up there. Yeah, voices and crying sounds is troublesome. You know what I mean? You don't want to deal with that, that type of deal. After his grandmother died, Sean inherited the painting and, and took it to his home where he lived with his wife and son. Immediately, Sean began reporting strange activity that was eerily similar to the stories his grandmother would say. Crying sounds and, uh, and a vision of a shadow man. Um, now, this painting's mainly just, it's, it's all black, and it's just a, a, a picture of a, a, it's a flesh tone of a face. The eyes are sunken in, the mouth is wide and sunken in, and it's just weird. It's one of those weird deals where, it's got a little stretch to it. Very, uh, it kind of has a, you know, for anybody else that's ever seen the It reboots, the thing in the painting, it kind of has a, it looks like that a little bit. But the activity escalated to the point where his wife began to feel that something was stroking her hair, at which, you know, if it's, a, if it's the artiste dude, then he would be stroking her hair. After his son inexplicably fell down the stairs, the boy claims a presence pushed him. Horrifying. You know what I think if I hear that? I think of a, a ghost that likes the mother, that knows that if it kills the son, the mother will be in such sadness that it could possibly take her. I agree. You know, Robinson set up a camera overnight to try and capture the paranormal activity. One of Robinson's YouTube videos shows slamming doors, rising smoke, and the painting falling from the wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean... Painting it with your, you know, painting it with your blood and then no, you know, I don't know if he immediately killed himself after it or what the story was, but uh, I'm sure the sadness was there, even if it wasn't planned. But um, yeah, something like that, I definitely feel would carry that, that bad energy for sure. I I can, I can see where from the way the painting, you, you look at the description of the painting and the painting itself, he poured a lot of emotion, anxiety, depression, everything into that painting and you got the connection with not only that emotion, the physical connection with the blood, which is basically your life force that runs through you without it, you're not alive. And he put all that into the painting itself and then kills himself and releases himself. And as far as I'm concerned, he could have, could have released himself and been trapped into that painting. That's where he went. That's where he's trapped because he put so much emotion and he put his own blood into it. And when he killed himself in that tortured state, boom, he's one with the, his energy is one with the painting. Mm. And I think that's a very strong candidate for, oh yeah, definitely. Uh huh. Don't want it. My house. I think so. Because, you know, we've often talked about on the show where like things can get pulled back after they die and, you know, if that's something that he loved or he spent most of his time doing it, then it's very, very quite possible he'd be sucked back to that attic room as well as into the painting. Um, and with the blood, having his own blood to it, you know, I almost question the whole thing where how some cultures feel like the body needs to be back together, so to speak. I wonder if uh, he used so much blood that it really tied him together with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a weird vibe. Um, next up, we have The Crying Boy and the Fires. 
created by Italian painter Bruno Amadio. The Crying Boy was uh, one of a series of mass-produced prints of weeping children staring straight ahead in distress. In 1985, strange stories began to surface about The Crying Boy, in, partic- in particular. According to a report in The Sun, which is a very reliable source, uh, the fire in England claimed that several copies of The Crying Boy had inexplicably survived dozens of house fires. Sounds like you'd almost want in your house for that reason alone. Uh, The firefighter went on to say that neither he nor his fellow firemen would allow any version of the painting in their homes as they believed the series was cursed. Now, these are just prints. This isn't even the actual painting. These are just prints of the painting. Um, Yeah, and the painting's very interesting, you know. Uh, the boy's looking, he's looking, he's, he's sad. I can't quite exactly put up my finger on what emotion he's trying to, uh, trying to put off. Maybe, I mean, there's definitely some anger in there. I guess it would be like the look of a boy that wanted to do something and you said no. And he got grumpy about it and cried. I think that's kind of the vibe. Um, Households with the crying boy reportedly had a high rate of fires. So I guess what they said before, I guess fires, but the, the, the paintings weren't, weren't bothered by it, um, which caused some to speculate that the paintings were somehow setting homes ablaze. After reading the article in The Sun, I want to see what they seen, because it could be a complete charcoal house with like just the painting intact. And if that's the case, something's going on. You know what I mean? Um, they were eager after the reading, the article in the sun, many people were eager to get rid of the painting. So the tabloid organized the Halloween bonfire to destroy the prints. Now, what's your take on something like that? Do you think that burning it would release it? Or do you think that that would be, it would be burning it back into the year. So the negative, negative energy still there is just around us. What's your take uh, on burning? It would, it would- it would be, it would be around us. It's not the best way to get rid of anything that's haunted and burning. You'd have to put a pretty complex or thorough ritual along with it to make sure that it doesn't pass into the air. Yeah. This particular painting, I was, uh, I'd probably say about six months ago, I was hunting around on the web and I found a documentary on it. Mm. And that boy uh, portrayed in the picture was actually a homeless boy that this artist helped for a while. Interesting. But they had a they did have a falling out. I forgot what the details of that was, but um at one point the artist himself was initially not considered very famous or popular. This painting yeah. is one of the things that helped them become popular. Yeah. It's probably a money uh, issue as, as as for the uh I mean it, you know, that's a traumatized child, homeless. Mm. And the artist wasn't doing too well at the time, so he had emotional issues. And as far as the fires go, um, in part of the documentary I saw, they interviewed people. Yeah. And one of them said, well, we found the fire, the painting, uh, one of the paintings was found face down on the floor, which is why it didn't burn. Yeah. Another one said, oh, it fell off the wall. But they also showed some pictures of some of the houses that burned that the painting survived in. And there wasn't much left except for a frame. Furniture had gone up, rugs had burned, 
walls had fallen down, everything, but there's this painting that didn't burn. Mm. And it's kind of like, no, not just because it fell face down. You're looking for a reason to try and explain it away. This is, some of those houses are just about total, but the painting's the only thing that survived. Mm. And to me, it's kind of like, no, there's, there's, there's something in, in that painting. Something was put into that painting, whether from the child, the painter, or a combination of both of them that cursed it. There's no reason it should have survived some of those fires that wipe out a whole house. I think, I think that painting uh, encapsulates the hatred that that kid felt for people that had what he didn't have. So when he, and that's why maybe these nice houses burn because that hatred turns into the fires of his anger. You know what I mean? Um, Cause yeah, it's one of those deals. And then, you know, you put that in your house now, cause it's a mockery. You're, you're well, you're, you're rich and you're putting that in your house to look at that. And you know that it, you're looking at it for that. It, it's a it's an entertainment. It now becomes enter- all this kid's tragedy becomes your entertainment. You know what I mean? Which the, they ain't gonna like that. You know we've talked about that many times. And I think that you just look. It's interesting because you look at the painting and the look that it's giving is the hatred. There's hatred in that look. It's anger. It's sadness. Yeah, it's horrifying. Um, the falling out he had with the kid. I think it's weird to have a falling out with a kid. Um, I kind of question their relationship to begin with. Uh, any reasonable fallout, I guess, would be the fact that money might have been made and the kid continued to be poor. The f- kid probably never even got a chance to grow up, unfortunately. Um, weird, but I think, yeah, I do think there's that. I think that when you're, you have his, this kid's parents might be somebody telling them how everybody with money is evil and that the reason why they have it so hard is so other people can have it so good just in a way to make an excuse for what's going on around him. And then this kid grows this hatred in himself, burning hatred within his heart and soul. And maybe that's why this painter wanted that kid, you know, wanted that kid for this picture. Cause he said, I can see, I can see, I can see people going to look at this dude's eyes and they're going to feel something from this painting. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly, but I think the kid may have been an orphan. Even worse, even more bad energy. You know, even more- you know, alone living on the street. This guy takes him in, paints him, and then later on, he's back out on the street. There's a lot of anger there. Exploited. He feels used. Yeah, that's horrifying. I feel bad. Uh, rest in peace to this little man. I feel his pain. I hope he's well in the afterworld. But I, I, I think that's the vibe with it, definitely. I think that's the vibe I catch from it. And if he is an if he was an orphan kid, on you know, he's got all different types. At least when you're poor on the street, you can kind of you're you're with your family. So yeah, it's awful. But like you know, it's you hear those stories of kids not really realizing how awful it really was because they had their family unit and they had love. They had love, so like the, the being poor wasn't a big deal. But when you don't have love, man, being poor, like that that kid could have had some, I feel bad, dude. I want to cry for the kid because that kid must have had some serious emotions going on in him. And I think that's why that they want, that dude wanted to paint his face. And I think some of that emotion crossed over. He probably, if he's looking at the, he's probably hating the fucking dude, taking the, doing the painting the way he's looking at him. He's probably just a really bitter, 
sad, angry kid, which is sad. Um, that's my take on it. Um, despite the purge, strange reports still surfaced relating to this painting. There is even an incredibly weird BBC video of someone trying to burn the painting, which seems to repel the flames. That kind of has a Ouija board vibe to it because you hear a lot about, you hear, they bring up Ouija boards for the 20 millionth time on the show. You hear that, we've heard that story, we've told that story numerous times of how people have tried to burn Ouija boards and they wouldn't burn. I've heard that, I've heard that story about people trying to just, more than one, trying to just, to uh, destroy that painting and they can't it's it's scary because you I, you'd, you'd have a fear it'd be like killing something you know what i mean like you would have to just to be somebody a regular person going in and being like you need your your protection for sure for something like that because the jump it could easily jump into you which is trouble you don't want to deal with that you know we also have up uh so, yeah, with that one, I think there's just a lot of energy to his feelings. The kid probably died. Realistically, the kid probably died. If you if people out there believe in imprints and pieces of yourself going into art and stuff like that, the fact that this right here is probably the biggest impact this kid ever made with his life, being able to tell people his true uh, aggression, his true plight you know his struggle you know what i mean the things how bad it was for him this is the only thing around that people will ever be able to know about his story so maybe that's why everything's in that painting you know what i mean i'd be curious to do uh and it might be something people would be interested in is to do some research to find out if it's if it was recorded um at what age and how that boy died Mm. I don't, they might not even, they probably don't even have a name for the kid. You know what I mean? Sadly. They got Bruno Amadio is the, is the painter. It could be somewhere in the mix, somewhere in the, uh, out there in the zeitgeist. But yeah, it's crazy. Repelling flames has that Ouija board aspect to it, which makes me almost, there's something supernatural about it. I almost hate to say this because I know some people will try it and maybe there's a twisted part of my mind that is, is wondering, well, there's a part of my mind that wonders, but I would never do it. Is it with the technology we have like color printers and stuff is go on the web would be to go on the web, bring the painting up and make a color copy of it and then hang it. But I ain't doing that in my house because I don't want my place burning down. Yeah, that's horrible. That's a horrible idea, right? Well, all my ideas aren't nice. I mean, most of the time, <laughs> I, just, most of the time I just keep my mouth shut about the horrible ones. I couldn't that time. Yeah, we'll forgive you. Next up, we have the portrait of Bernardo de Galvez, and he's watching you. Uh, the Hotel Galvez in Galveston, Texas, is renowned for housing several paranormal entities. Chief among them is the spirit of Spanish military leader Bernardo de Galvez, who fought for the American colonies during the Revolutionary War. He died in 1786, but according to countless observers, the portrait of him that hangs at the end of a downstairs hallway at Hotel Galvez is haunted by the man's ghost. 
Uh, I'm looking at the picture right now. The eyes are very creepy. They're like all white. His eyes are like all white. He's got his hand on like a Cadillac symbol, which makes you want to question Cadillac and uh, how long they've been around. Um, Very creepy stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Uh, He must, I wonder if he died there. You know what I mean? The name, he must have some ties other than the name. Dozens of guests have reported of the portrait's painted eyes following them as they walk down the hallway. They also report cold spots upon approaching the painting. There's another phenomenon associated with the painting. Evidently, tourists who try to photograph the painting claim they can't be clear, can't get a clear photo of the portrait until they get permission from Bernardo's spirit. Uh, now they're speaking to the spirit. What do you think about that, Ray? They're asking it things. They're giving it attention. Yeah, they're giving it attention means that uh, they're giving it energy and the potential to keep going and to interact. Yeah. So that's like they're feeding it. They're, they're, they're just helping it stay around. They're helping it manifest. That, that's a big no-no. Yeah, manifestations. A paranormal investigation team actually visited the Hotel Galvez for this specific purpose and claimed that all the initial photos were blurry or distorted. Only after they have verbally asked for permission did they get good footage, good images. Obviously, the painting doesn't belong in someone's home, but you can imagine that anybody would want it if it were an option. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? That one's a little less, a little less of an issue, I think. Where I don't think, you know, it's not burning down houses or causing too much ruckus, uh, but mainly probably because it's in a, in a place that's celebrating the life of that person. So why would it burn down something celebrating the life of? Um, then it would make more sense for the eyes to wander uh, and do that type deal. Follow, get the feeling of following around. You know what I mean? What's your take well, on uh, that? Well, I think that on that one, the key thing seems to be that the people interact with it. And interacting with it, they're giving energy. And obviously, whatever is there doesn't necessarily want the interaction because yeah. you, you can't get a photograph of it. You try and photograph it, it doesn't work. Yeah. So unless you ask, unless you ask politely, so this thing has an attitude, and yeah, you can take the picture on my terms. So there's an interaction over there. You got to ask, otherwise the photo doesn't come out. So yeah, that that that's a two way street over there. There's something behind that. Yeah, it's an attention thing. I mean, I think it's big attention stuff. We got up uh, the the painting of a paranormal photograph. According to a strange little story in paranormalabout.com, in the early 90s, artist Laura P. created a painting based based on a supposedly paranormal photograph taken by commercial photographer James Kidd. Kidd had taken a photograph of a stagecraft in Tombstone, Arizona, and upon developing it, he noticed something surprisingly perched on a log left of the wagon. There was a figure that had not originally been present 
when the photo was taken. Moreover, the figure appeared to be missing its head. Yeah, and I, uh, in the photo it does, uh, it does have the appearance of something handcuffed without head. After hearing the story in person from Kid, Laura's was inspired to create a 16 by 20 inch oil painting based on the photo. Almost immediately upon bringing her work, beginning her work, she says she was struck with the unease as to why she had chosen this subject. After finishing it, she hung it for display at a local business, but within three days, she was called back to remove the painting because the people who worked in the office claimed the painting was moving on its own, causing papers to go missing, and in general, making people feel uncomfortable. The painting was returned and eventually taken along with Laura and her husband when they moved to their new home, where the animalities continued. Strange small occurrences that persisted for years and always seemed to involve the painting or happen in close proximity of it. Laura told some friends about the painting, and one of them doubted the story vehemently and demanded to see the canvas with her own eyes. Upon seeing it, she laughed at it. According to Laura, that night at the woman's house, a clock that had been on the wall for 40 years fell down and broke into a hundred pieces. Finally, a friend took some photos of the painting, which is weird in its own way, given that the painting itself is based on a photo. Uh, The friend claims he had laid the photo out on the table in his home, and then we went outside, he saw a white hazy figure that seemed to be missing its head. He got rid of the photos immediately. Yeah, uh, now she regrets ever painting the paranormal stagecoats and wants to destroy it. But she's hoping somebody will want to buy it for big money before she destroys it. The artiste. Um, yeah, that was that's an interesting one too. And it does. It looks like uh, it does. It looks like I got the vibe of somebody that was a uh, like a prisoner or something. Um, they they look handcuffed. Look like they've been walking. They're walking. They're like walking in the picture, but the way their feet are spaced. But the hands look handcuffed behind the back, or they're just chilling. And yeah, there's no head there, which is an un- that, you know that's a problem. That's problematic. Um, who's to say? You know, other than that, it's just kind of a wagon. It's kind of a western-looking type deal. Um, you know, there's a lot of weird, dark elements to the picture. There's a lot of shade. Uh, I'd be curious to kind of get a magnifying glass on the real painting and kind of look to see if there's anything interesting in the shade because you'll often see weird things in the shade, maybe faces or whatever. Um, and it's usually more than, there's it, it usually more than one weird thing in, in paintings that have things going on with them. There's usually more than one like thing with it. You know, this looks like one of those photographs people take, when they develop it, it's like two pictures at one. It almost looks like one of those things. But I'm curious. You said the painting is is headless. Head, he's headless. Yeah, there's somebody headless in the painting. Like it's a picture of a wagon, and then off to the side, there's somebody standing there, but they don't have a head. Yes, we did uh, actually kind of recently um, when we were looking into fairies. There are a lot of stories and legends around the fairies, and some of them. Uh, if you remember, they were headless. Mm. Well, they take a person's head, but quite a few of them were headless. And there's many stories in, in countries about headless ghosts. 
That's true. I'm wondering if that ghost appeared in the picture afterwards or was actually put in there for a purpose. It's true. If you look at in, in this painting, if anybody's looking at this painting of the of the, the wagon, I want you to look at the very top left of it because it almost looks like there's a spaceship. Like there's a spaceship past the trees, um, which is very weird looking. Now, what it is is it's... What I think it is is I think that it's one of those pictures where there's trees in the background. So you almost get the vibe where like it's just tree branches and it kind of forms what you what you see, like an optical illusion. But I, I leave that for the audience to go take a peek and let us know. Do you think that's an optical illusion with the wagon? Because the way the tree branches fall and the tree, you know, it kind of gets, it kind of, it's one of those things where you could almost kind of mark it off as brush. It's like one of those freak occurrence things. Um, and it all came from a, a, a picture that was taken. So the painting could very, the paint is very easily to manipulate a painting when you're doing it on a picture that you think is haunted. You know, you're going to make things up, up, thing, up the ante a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious what the audience thinks of uh, that. And if that's a spacecraft up in the left, um, yeah, I'm, I'm now looking around um, at the different shadows because, like I said, shadows is a shadows is where the bad things lurk. You know what I mean? But oh, yeah. but they hide in the darkness, the dark, the edge of the darkness. But hey, so that's that's the top five most haunted paintings, and the Bjork uh, "Best of Me" painting was all discussed in this this episode. You know what I mean? Do you want to say anything else in kind of the closing? Well, like we said at the beginning, the paintings hold images. They hold the energy of the artist. Um, there's a whole lot that, that goes into that painting. The materials, the one with the blood in it. Yeah, paintings are ripe for the potential to have spirit or haunted activity. Very, very, very much so. The soul of the person putting it in, the creating it the painting itself going into the painting. Mm. Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely say take haunted paintings seriously. The research that I had done and documentaries I'd had seen, uh, everybody who tried to debunk it, I found a flaw with all of it, not because I was just trying to prove it, but because their arguments weren't that good. Yeah. So I'd say be careful around those haunted paintings. Don't go out and get one on eBay and put it up in your house. Uh, leave that for someone else. <laughs> Stay right. away from. It. For sure, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that with Annabelle or another haunted object. So why would you do it with a painting? That's true. That's true. You know, believe it. Believe it. All types of haunted things out there. You know what I mean? I know people that would want Annabelle. Crazy. Crazy folks. Live on the edge. So, with that being said, if you have any of these paintings in your possession, you might want to get rid of them. But uh, you might not. You might, you might want to be worried about the paintings that you picked up at the flea market or Salvation Army that aren't on the list. That, you know, some guy that you know isn't quite as famous. Uh, blew his brains all over or something nice for you. You know what I mean? There's that element, too. you got to imagine 
people that do wild things like shoot themselves in the head or shoot other people in the head. Um, you have these, if there's a painting in that room, it's quite possible that when someone shoots you in your head or, or whatever, that pieces, even if you don't, even if you can't even see piece of these pieces, they're so small pieces of you will end up on this painting. They'll end up on, they end up everywhere. Even if it's not big blood splatters, pieces go everywhere. So with that being said, it's like, you know, any of these were paintings that were in rooms with that madness going on, or, you know, maybe they love that painting and they were, they killed in front of it and they got sucked into it or however you want to take it. Um, you gotta be careful about these paintings and the paintings in your houses. Be respectful. You know what I mean? Oil and acrylic. Gotta be careful. Some water paints, you know, holy water paint. Use holy water paint. That's the best thing to paint with. And that's how you'll be safe and sound. And with that being said, if you like this episode, check out other episodes wherever you heard this. You know what I mean? Hit us up on the social medias. Let us know what you like, what you want to hear. If you, want, if you feel like opening up the old uh, pocketbook, Boombastic Streaming on Patreon. And uh, that being said... We'll catch all y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly.